Hello, Tom Myers here. If you're like me and you've got a lot to say, a lot of stories to share, a lot of opinions to give, then listen up. I'm going to talk about something that's going to take your passion for podcasts to the next level. I'm talking about the 7 Million Bikes podcast course. This is the podcasting course you need. Imagine having the skills, the knowledge, and the confidence to create, produce, and grow a successful podcast. And you're not doing it alone. I'm talking about Neil Mackay, the podcast guy, founder of 7 Million Bikes Podcasts. He knows what it takes to turn your passion into a podcast that stands out. He's going to guide you through everything from podcast ideas that resonate to nailing that audio production and even editing your episodes like a pro. With 23 tutorials and over three hours of video content, this course is packed with practical tips, real-world examples, and everything you need to know to get started. Just $97 for a wealth of knowledge that'll set you up for podcasting success it's a no-brainer think about it less than a hundred bucks to unleash your creativity share your story and potentially even turn your passion into a profitable business people like ian payton who's taken the course launched their own podcast and already in the top 10 percent of podcasts worldwide and you could be next the seven million bikes podcast course is your ticket to podcasting greatness. Go to the link in my show notes right now and let's make your podcasting dream a reality. Hi, I'm A.A. Ron, the owner and producer of Oddly Funny Productions. That's A-W-D-L-Y Funny Productions. Bombing Run, the original comedy combat game show. It's an hour's worth of comedians clashing with their jokes. And soon to be released, Orbs Wacky World, a talk show with a twist. It will be a mix of comedy, unusual questions and music with orb as the host oddly funny productions we might be odd but we bring the funny to you that's a-w-d-l-y funny productions hey everyone it's me again if you're tired of listening to this show with all these ads in the way go ahead and subscribe to my patreon in addition to listening to this show without the ads you also get extended versions of these episodes and bonus clips as well doesn't cost that much you can get plans for as low as one dollar a month you can show the love and your support just go to patreon.com slash tom myers spelled m-y-e-r-s and subscribe and listen and enjoy today again that's patreon.com slash Tom Myers. Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Tom Myers versus the rest of the world. Texas Governor Greg Abbott barred businesses in the state from issuing vaccine mandates for their employees. Apparently, the only shots allowed in Texas are the ones to which police respond at schools and shopping centers. The George W. Bush Presidential Center issued condolences over Twitter for the loss of Bush's Secretary of State General Colin Powell. Figures. He was used as a tool to sell this country into an unpopular and unwinnable war, and all he got was that lousy tweet. <laughs> <laughs> Donald Trump gave a deposition in one of many lawsuits filed against him. It's an historic moment. Not that it's a former president sitting for sworn testimony, but it was the first time Trump held a Bible without ambushing protesters with tear gas. (laughs) No word on whether the book turned into a pillar of salt when he swore to tell the truth. In his latest Netflix special, Dave Chappelle says J.K. Rowling was right about gender at one's birth being certain. To be fair, he shouldn't be faulted for having an opinion much like I shouldn't be faulted for saying I agree with people 
who say that Dave Chappelle is no longer funny. Las Vegas Raiders head coach John Gruden resigned after a series of emails where he made racist comments was published. It's a good thing he wasn't the head coach of the Washington football team. Gruden's sentiments were so racist that he may have changed the Washington Redskins to the D.C. insurrectionists. The CEO of Hasbro passed away. Details about his funeral service weren't released. However, word is that the casket and the tombstone will be sold separately. (laughs) (laughs) A 41-year-old man who, at age 13, killed a four-year-old boy with a rock was granted parole. He was released under the condition that he does not shop at Target, lest the sound of a screaming child trigger him. And on that note, on with the show. <laughs> Please join me in welcoming Jeff Heisen, Abby Mello, and Gina Brown. Hello. Hey, Tom. Hey. Abby, what's been going on with you this week? I went to Nashville this past weekend. Um, and uh, I saw, so I, I hate flying, but not because I'm like afraid of it or anything. I just hate other people. And I think people have gotten worse and they're now. I hear you. toddlers toddlers listen better than people on airplanes um so i witnessed the best interaction between a flight attendant and people i've ever seen in my life um super overstuffed airplane there's also these like military guys that are trying to get home for basic training on standby like there's no overhead bin space and so the flight attendant grabs somebody's like tote bag and he's like whose bag is this he's holding it up like simba you know like whose bag is this he's like this needs to go under the seat in front of you no one claims it finally this woman is like it's mine she's like it won't fit and he's like oh really let's try it right now and she's like no like it won't fit you know and she's refusing to take ownership of this bag so then he grabs one of the military guys duffel bags and he goes okay well then this bag doesn't get to go to nashville and i was like this is the best stand i was like if i had popcorn i was like this is the greatest thing i've ever seen in my life Uh, and then they get on the overhead thing and they're like we need to find the owner of a green bag labeled williams uh you know it's this whole thing and like this woman just does not but back down at all so they checked it through to nashville but i was like this is the best standoff I've ever seen in my life. And I would not want to be a flight attendant right now. I, I thought the story was going to end with the, the flight attendant grabs the bag, puts it under the woman's seat and a whole yeah, plethora of yeah. like, sex toys just spill out. <laughs> Jeff, how about yourself? Well, we almost had a problem today, Tom, uh, with my appearance around 3.30 uh, for those of you listening, uh, time, it doesn't matter when we tape it, but we tape late afternoon, early evening. And about 3.30 this afternoon, our internet goes out. No warning, just stops. And my wife's working and she says, oh my God, I have a meeting at four o'clock. And I said, oh my God, I have the Tom podcast at 5.30. Long <laughs> so story short, Jeff is now doing the podcast from his garden shed. Right. <laughs> because he so. thought this was more important. Gina, how about yourself? Um, I did. I shot a film on Sunday, so that was fun. And I played a Nana and I'm not, I'm still a mom. And so I was like, can this Nana be really young? Are you okay with that? And they're like, yeah, we just, we just want you. We think you would be great. And I was like, okay, then I'll do it. But let's keep in mind, this Nana is really young. <laughs> Right. Well, I think John Mellencamp became a grandfather at 37 or something. So well, I, my, I have peers that are, but I'm an older mom. I just, I've, my kids don't have kids and they better not have kids right now. 
(laughs) In recent weeks, I've cut back on my social media usage. In other words, I made my own Facebook outage before Facebook decided to make it cool. One time I posted that I might be performing in Vegas, to which a user thought they could try and get one over on me by replying, wow, I've never met a woman named Vegas, to which I responded, I'm sorry you never knew your mom. Oh, (laughs) Someone once posted a comment under a video of my stand-up that read, watching this makes me cry inside, to which I responded, it's not my fault that your insides are a little bitch. Someone once tweeted at me about one of my CDs, if I could give this less than one star, I would. I responded, your girlfriend has probably had the same thing said about her vagina by her previous partners. Joining us tonight to discuss the Facebook outage, please welcome Davine Kerr. Hey, you guys. Davine, welcome back. Hi. Thanks for having me again. uh, Yeah, I noticed that, uh, I mean, you are very prolific on social media. Uh, So how did you handle the, uh, because it was not just Facebook, but also, uh, I think, Instagram and WhatsApp that went out that particular day so how did you how did you handle that twitter twitter was my savior we were all on there and and that's how i found out that it wasn't my wi-fi that crashed you know and um yeah it was nice it was nice to see the blackout because then you would see who was truly having real friends on their birthday you know the world who are the only people who remember your actual birthday without facebook telling you right (laughs) I think the phones have become so jammed with so much stuff that it used to be like, if you had a a phone that went online, like there was an actual keypad below it. And I I feel like I'm dating myself now. Like I'm trying to explain this to my, to my (laughs) great grandkids or something. Like I'll I'll, I'll be, I'll be a a great grandfather, like at the same age that Gene is playing a Nana or something (laughs) in one of these movies. But now you have to go through like five different, I have to go through five different things just to find the actual keypad for, for the phone. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, with this outage, like maybe that kind of helped us get back to, uh, get, get back to simplification. Yeah. Like, it, it's so like my dad was trying day. to get a, my dad was trying to get a phone recently and he just wanted one that would uh, make and send calls. So I think they sent him to an antique store. Right. I, I mean, he's in his late seventies now. So, I mean, that's, yeah, that, that explains it. No, I, I just meant I was so productive that day, but also very bored. Um, I never spent this much time in the bathroom and I even answered the phone when it was the extended call warranty, you know, like the, the, the car call. <laughs> I, I didn't know what to do with myself. Like, it's just. <laughs> hey, let me show you this dance that I was going to do on TikTok. That's uh, over phone, but you'll just have to imagine it. I'll describe it to you. I think I read a book or something. Like I think I was like, oh, an actual book. I turned pages. Yeah. I didn't have I loved it. I was like, I didn't get all the usual DM messages that I normally get. Um oh no dick pics either. That was something nice. I get a lot of really interesting DM messages. And I think people think a person's going to respond to that. I was like, who responds to this? Does this work for people? <laughs> so I, I, I hate was, responding to my DMs. Like, I was like, but there, you probably don't get the same kind of DM messages that me and Davine and Abby might get. So, <laughs> and I'm like, why would this work on somebody? <laughs> One thing we learned over the past year is that people really care about our extended warranty. <laughs> You might not even have a car. Right. They, they make me feel loved, though. They call me more than my own friends. So, you know. <laughs> right. 
Is that a subtle dig at the rest of us, at your uh, at your fellow panelists? Okay, yeah, it is. <laughs> Facebook's practice of selectively allowing content that can bring in the most revenue despite its effects on the health and welfare of its users and on political discourse is the backbone of its operations. Of course, it takes a whistleblower to bring this to the forefront of mainstream national media coverage, as we can see in this CBS News segment. Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg is strongly defending the company he co-founded after stunning allegations from a former employee. In congressional testimony, whistleblower Frances Haugen said Facebook chooses profit over public safety. She shared thousands of internal documents and also spoke with 60 Minutes. Now Zuckerberg is publicly denying claims the platform is designed to reward anger and division. Nicole Killian is on Capitol Hill for us. Nicole, good morning to you. There's a long note from Mark last night. What else is he saying? Yeah, that's right, Tony. And Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg says the accusations against his company are not true and don't make sense. And while he disputes the whistleblower's accusations, he says that he does agree Congress should update Internet regulations. Almost no one outside of Facebook knows what happens inside of Facebook. In her first congressional testimony since blowing the whistle on Facebook, ex-employee Frances Haugen detailed what she described was a culture of secrecy and complacency that put profits over safety. Facebook's products harm children, stoke division, and weaken our democracy. And she pinned the blame squarely on her former boss, Mark Zuckerberg. In the end, the buck stops with Mark. There is no one currently holding Mark accountable but himself. The buck stops with him. It, it, the buck stops with him. Haugen called the social media giant morally bankrupt. She compared them to Big Tobacco and said the company's own research shows its Instagram platform can be harmful and addictive to teens. The way that they pick the content in Instagram for young users, for all users, um, amplifies preferences. So mm -hmm. Facebook knows that they, are, that they are leading young users to anorexia content. What gets me is... Like people are shocked that a website started by college age males to rank their female classmates is targeting women with advertising and false body positive imagery. Or that a company is going to always choose profit over healthy, you know, healthy choices or whatever. This take it outside of social media. It's no different from any other for-profit organization. And frankly, having worked in the nonprofit world for even some nonprofit organizations, every organization that a person works for is out for money. And it takes consumer watchdogs to come in or whistleblowers to come in and light a fire and just say, hey, you know, X company, you need to start thinking about whatever. Nobody would just be like, no, I think I don't want to. So you would say they have some social responsibility uh, above profit. Well, people would like that, but uh, but capitalism suggests that profits are first, and then if there's room for some something else for you to care a bit, okay, maybe. See, that's how, the, I mean, that's how we're built. The government's always big. On, uh, uh, conservatives are always big on saying. Uh, well, businesses should be able to make their own decisions and make money. And then what Tom talked to talked about at the top of the show, where Governor Abbott is preventing private businesses from uh, in implementing mask restrictions, if they so choose, shows the hypocrisy there. Oh, yeah, there's hypocrisy. Yes. Well, yeah, there's hypocrisy across the board because they 
They don't. They want to be inside women's bodies too. Where that's concerned, they don't want. There's no choice. We don't have the choice. We don't own that choice. You know. So. You know. Let's just be specific. They want to be in our size zero bodies. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. <laughs> they don't want all of our bodies. That's true. <laughs> that was also the whole thing about you know Instagram and we. Well, yeah. we know we're giving eating disorders to teenage girls, but you know. Yeah. Plus, there was the comparison to the way we went after uh, big tobacco in the 90s. And, you know, ironically enough, it's almost as though, like, tobacco is now safer for kids than Instagram. Because, you know, at least you can treat <laughs> emphysema and cancer. Right. right. I don't really believe that, by the way. <laughs> in times of a PR crisis, major companies usually try and put their best spokesperson forward to put out any proverbial fires. Of course, when your spokesperson is Nick Clegg, there's a good chance that tactic can shit the bed, as he does in this interview on Meet the Press. But I also want to uh, put something up that you wrote. This is also why the suggestion that is sometimes made that the violent insurrection on January 6th would not have occurred if it was not for social media is so misleading. Mature democracies in which social media use is widespread hold elections all the time. For instance, Germany's election last week, now two weeks ago, without the disfiguring presence of violence. I understand why you wrote that sentence, Mr. Clegg, but why put in the safeguards before the election if you didn't think, if you guys at Facebook didn't think you had a role in potentially inciting folks? So just for, for folk who don't sort of follow this very closely, what we did in the run-up to the election was we put in, obviously, because it was an exceptional election happening at a, a, at a time of a pandemic, um, the, the obviously very stark polarization in this country, we put in a number of exceptional measures. It's simply not true to say that we lifted those measures immediately. We, in fact, kept um, the vast majority of them right through to the inauguration, and we've kept some in place permanently. So, for instance, we permanently now don't recommend civic and political groups to people. And actually, we're now going even further. So one of the things that we have heard from users, both in the US and around the world, since um, the, the election is that people want to see, if you like, more friends, less politics. So we've actually been looking and testing ways in which we can reduce the presence of, of politics on, on people's Facebook experiences. So I hope that's useful context for what we did and what we didn't do and what we're doing going forward. Given the historical context, I'm not sure using Germany as an example of elections <laughs> happening without social media induced violence was the best example. I felt, feel like there was a little double talk, or maybe that was just me. Oh, I'm right there with you, Gina. I was like, I'm not sure what the takeaway point was. Right. Okay. And, Ch and Chuck Todd was confused, and in typical Chuck Todd fashion, he's thinking ahead to his next question without listening to the answer. And I might add, Chuck Todd can go screw himself. Oh, my gosh. There, yeah, that's right. There is, this is one person that triggers me. He is a piece of shit because he his he is the king of the both sides. Yes. So he'll have uh, uh, Senator Kennedy on his uh, his pod on his uh, Meet the Press. He'll have uh, any Republican, and he won't follow up, and he won't attack them. Uh, but he because he doesn't think that that's his role. But meanwhile, if you listen to the Tony Kornheiser podcast. He's great at picking football. So that's what he can do well. His <laughs> analytical skills at picking football games against the spread are better than his political uh, analysis. 
So screw yeah. Chuck Todd. Anyway, yeah, back I, to the podcast. Yeah, I couldn't tell if he was like, yeah, it looks like people just want to have more friendly information. So I'm working on a way to not push political and civic things in. And, and, and I mean, frankly, I just think people should enjoy what they could enjoy. It's unfortunate that we these these are the mediums that we have that hate and other things are spewed through otherwise i think sure like if you want to you know be friends of the nazis or whatever that's on you like i i don't want to join that but if that's your thing you know and i'll go play with pickles or whatever like i really wish that people could do whatever but i guess we can't that's very socially accommodating of you gina i mean you should be committed to that I know. I'm not both sides, though. I'm not. But I kind of guess I just was, wasn't I? (laughs) (laughs) I think there's two different issues. Part of what I think the confusion was in that tape or that segment was that there's two different issues going on. One is about so they were talking about the insurrection and whether or not Facebook like essentially assisted those people to coordinate each other. But that's very different than is Facebook secretly giving you things that are going to piss you off politically and make you engage more or showing you opposite opinions. So they kind of have their butts covered with the one thing where it's like, oh, no, well we're shutting down hackers. We're not going to be a platform where they can coordinate with each other. Right. But that's not answering about other than the half answer about well we do you know a funny thing people this this thing that people got on to make friends you know with old friends yeah. 15 years ago they want more of that and less of the politics no but but they blocked me from posting a dead frog because that was hate speech oh my goodness gracious did you say something about the dead frog that was really hey, insensitive to just- me no, I was just I just posted a, a throwback to my childhood where there was a lot of squished frogs on the street and I would throw them off like a ninja star. And that was too violent, even though the frog was already dead. I did not kill it, but I got flagged. I got flagged. I almost went into Facebook jail, but you know, all the QAnon and all the groups are still out there. It makes. Yeah, I hope they never put a cap on the blocking list because I have so many people in there. <laughs> And, and I, I know you have a cap like 5,000 friends, but I don't know how many people you can block. <laughs> For those wondering how an entire social network could be taken offline in moments, as well as the curious timing so close to the testimony of a company whistleblower, here's an excerpt from a video where Professor Stephen Bagley of the University of Nottingham School of Computer Science in the UK explains what happened. Once upon a time, not so long ago, there was a little website and its name was Facebook. And then it stopped. It ceased to be. It ceased to be, took along Instagram and WhatsApp with it. And uh, yeah, so a bit of excitement for those network nerds last night as we watched Facebook disconnect from the internet. Does Facebook know what they're doing when it comes to networking? They're designing their own gear, they're designing their own switches, their own routers, they're writing their own operating systems on top of Linux to run these things. They're not some fly-by-night operation that don't know what they're doing here. The big, the thing that's probably happened here is that someone's had a bad day at work, they've pushed something up to the servers and to the switches and things, and it just didn't work. And normally when you do that, it's sort of, you get a sort of slight error message. Someone yesterday probably pushed the wrong button and brought down the whole of Zuckerberg's empire. What was interesting about it from a networking point of view is just exactly what happened. This wasn't a case of... Um, you couldn't access the website, it wasn't responding, but the computers were still there. 
Facebook literally managed to disconnect themselves from the internet. If we run back in time, we can get to around three o'clock GMT. What we've got here is the network where Facebook's DNS server is. So DNS is a system which takes the name facebook.com and converts it to the IP address that Facebook uses. What we see happening is quite interesting, and it's actually a really good example of how the internet can cope with disruption, because if we just scroll forward in time, we can see that as things start to happen, we get to this point where everything starts to reroute. And rather than going directly to Facebook, you can start to see it all is going to Cogent and Tellier. And then as we go a bit further on, we suddenly see that everything starts to disappear until you get to a point, there we are, where there's nothing connected to Facebook except this one machine down here, this one network. And suddenly, Facebook's network, the network that run whole, all Facebook's computers are on, is completely disconnected from the internet. I like that he sounded just as excited as some of my friends do when they talk about their fantasy football picks. <laughs> all in, all in. I am going to go ahead and post that video. The way it explained was Facebook is on its own server. It doesn't use Microsoft or Apple or, or one of those. Maybe someone inputted something incorrectly and that just shut down the entire website along with Instagram and WhatsApp. And, you know, they made it sound like an accident, but I'm not wondering, and this brings out the conspiracy theorist in me, I'm not wondering if that was something where uh, it was done maybe deliberately to take away from the fact that uh, their whistleblower was saying that they were doing all these horrific things. Seems like that would draw more attention to it, but also maybe remind people of uh, how much they love it and miss it. It's a very passive, it's like the passive aggressive mom who's like, you know, okay, well, fine. Let's just see what happens when I stop doing your laundry then. <laughs> right. Because to what end? Like she was still going to blow that whistle and it didn't, all the information was already out and about. Like nobody, you know, it, she didn't need anything from them anymore. <laughs> Like, I don't really know to what end, like, unless it was, yeah, like a passive aggressive sort of thing. And suddenly we're, we're thankful for having Facebook back once it does, once it does come back. I like to think there was just some clueless CEO who like forced somebody to give him a tour of the server room and then accidentally just like flipped the switch that shuts <laughs> the whole thing off and walked out of there. <laughs> An intern. <laughs> yeah, tripped over the one cord that plugs in the entire internet. I don't know what that does. I, I just killed the internet. <laughs> right. We can but all dream it. of doing that. It's always the intern. Facebook balances out its lack of concern for its users and for political discourse by using algorithms which block certain content and users based on trigger words. Facebook restricting its users has inspired content where disgruntled account holders express their dismay at not being able to use a medium they admittedly hate. So they turn their self-harm to harming other people's eardrums, as is demonstrated in these excerpts from two songs criticizing Facebook's fact-checking policy. Well, Bubba's back in Facebook jail. We love him and we wish him well. He's behind bars in a virtual cell. But Bubba's gonna be back. Yeah, Bubba drops truth bombs every day. Repeat offender paving the way. Guess not all heroes wear capes. Oh, Bubba's gonna be back. Well, Bubba got out and tried to act right. But then he got to drinking again one night. Put out his greatest hits and his fans went wild. Now Bubba's locked up again. 
Hell, Bubba don't care if his memes a goner. Says Facebook jail is a badge of honor. He stirs the pot and stays in hot water. We all know he's gonna do it again. Well, I got a pop-up message. Oh, no. They accused me of a crime. Oh, yeah. My profile page has gone away until I served my time. without fail but those fact checkers can kiss our ass for sending us to facebook jail i think we can conclude that that's proof that some people should not have access to the internet (laughs) the argument that you hurt someone's feelings and the fact checker put you in jail like those are very different things though see (laughs) see how facts facts and emotions aren't the same Right. They're not the same. (laughs) Someone put you in jail because you gave COVID information that was misleading. Specifically in this song, they were talking about the fact checkers putting them in jail and how, you know, so the fact checking stuff is is all all the people who got banned for saying dumb stuff about COVID and, you know, misinformation about facts. Yeah. Conspiracy theories. Election lies. Okay. Which yeah, is yeah. very different than saying, you know, something again that hurts someone's feelings, right. a mean thing, saying, for example, men are scum, which I know right. has actually banned thousands and thousands of women right. uh, from Facebook. Right. right. Well, that hurts their in, feelings. And it's that's fact, different than saying but scum a- cures COVID. I was flagged when I typed about Q tips also. Because I said there was a conspiracy that nobody admits using Q-tips and they thought it was a QAnon topic. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah, because I'm like, everybody says they don't burst their eardrums and I said Q-tips and, you know, I made a little pun there and that was flagged also. To sum up, Herman Cain's Twitter feed is still active over a year since his death. As bad a rap as he gets, it's nice to know that Satan still lets you use your phone in hell. With the volatile nature of debates over sites like Twitter and Facebook moving to the forefront of mainstream policy discussions, it could be time to discard what self-proclaimed social media experts are telling us about how we interact with each other on these sites. Instead, maybe we need to be social media experts ourselves to a certain extent, not just so we know everything, but so we can try and self-educate as well as inform others. There have been memes shared endlessly bemoaning the lack of the teaching of cursive handwriting in schools. Personally, I believe teaching outdated methods of handwriting is useless. Do you really think a server will make more tips at a Waffle House in Mississippi if her customers know she wrote her entire order in cursive? Someone (laughs) once invited me to have a direct message conversation on social media about any historical, political, or philosophical topic. I replied, no thanks. I killed enough brain cells during my drinking days. I know some people criticize my fans and social media followers and say they do nothing but sit by their computers and masturbate. But even if that's the case, God bless them for working on their cardio. (laughs) I don't know why I said, God bless you just now. I sound like a preacher. Blessed are the fappers for they create the sin that keeps my pockets lined with your donation dollars. And it's not a sin if it could be put to practical use. With all the wrist action from hours upon hours of viewing Pornhub, 
one can easily empty a can of Chef Boyardee pasta in three seconds. So I'm told. <laughs> that sounds like a great note on which to end the show. <laughs> I'd like to thank Jeff Heisen, Abby Mello, Gina Brown, and Devine Kerr. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Thanks, Tom. This episode was written and hosted by Tom Myers with panelists Jeff Heisen, Abby Mello, and Gina Brown, and guest Devine Kerr. Theme music by Euron Vandenberg. Executive producer Tom Myers. Executive producer for IPM Nation, Matt Connerton. For more information, visit tommyers.us. Hey everyone, thanks for listening. If you want to listen to more of this episode, go ahead and subscribe to my Patreon. There you can get extended versions of episodes like this one, as well as bonus clips. You can even listen to regular episodes without all these pesky little ads through which you have to fast forward. Doesn't really cost that much. Plans as low as $1 a month. Go to patreon.com slash Tom Myers, spelled M-Y-E-R-S. Show the love, subscribe, show your support today. That's patreon.com slash Tom Myers. Hi everyone. I'm Orb. I am not the official spokesperson for Oddly Funny Productions. That's A-W-D-L-Y Funny Productions. A-A-Ron is tied up right now. Shut up, I'll untie you in a minute. Here at Oddly, we're producing some great shows. Bombing Run, where comedians compete to see who's Joker Race. And Orb's Wacky World, a talk show with a mix of comedy, uncomfortable questions, and music hosted by yours truly. When you think of comedy, think of Oddly Funny Productions. That's A-W-D-L-Y, Funny Productions. Now, how do I get out of here? Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now.